third thing I want to say about it is the spiritual man yields to the Lord. The spiritual man yields to the Lord. And I would suggest passages like Romans chapter 12. First two verses, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you give your body as a present to him. Fourth thing, his desire is to be daily controlled by the Spirit of God. His great desire is to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Be not drunk with wine, words excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And that's followed by thanksgiving and worship and praise and submission. Then Colossians chapter 3, 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by him. Then submit yourselves one to another. The fifth thing, the spiritual man seeks to glorify Christ in his life. In other words, the Lord Jesus becomes exceeding precious to our hearts. This is a burden in my heart these days. I must confess to you that so many who know the facts of theology and doctrine you can quote scripture. But what place does Jesus Christ himself have in your affections, in your love, in your life? Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a faithful teacher of the Word of God for more than 60 years. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by his grace came with me to We continue with the spiritual life of the spiritual man, and there are several points that Dr. Mitchell brings out concerning this spiritual life. Now, he brings out the truth that our old man was crucified with Christ at the cross when we took Jesus as our Savior. And there, we were reckoned by God as having been crucified with the Savior when he was crucified. Now, this is true in him, and now also in you and me we who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Now, Dr. Mitchell is going to go on and recount his ministry to a group of men on the island of Taiwan. And you know, while he was there, he heard the story of a man who was transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ from his polygamous lifestyle to one of proclaiming the very gospel of Christ. So here is Dr. Mitchell, and he's quoting Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, along with his class on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. We were crucified with him. Galatians 2, 20, you all know that verse. But we were crucified with him. The preceding verse, verse 19, which you don't know. You don't know verse 21, but you know verse 20. Do you all know verse 20, Galatians 2, 20? All right, say it with me. For I was, come on all together. For I was crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now that's the answer of a question. But what's the question? Verse 19, where Paul says, I through the law am dead to the law in order that I might live unto God. Well, Paul, when did you die to the law? I was crucified with Christ. 
I no longer live, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ died in vain. No need for Christ to die if he can be saved by your works. Let me give you those scriptures, will you? We were crucified with him. Our old man, all that we were in the past, gone. Now in this passage, these first four verses, you've got the past, you've got the present, and you've got the future. What's the past? Verse 3 is the past. You are dead. You have died. And your life is hate with Christ in God. That's past. The present. We are risen with Christ. Seek the things that are above at the right hand of God. You remember that? Where God sitteth. Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things down here. We're risen. We've got a new life. Resurrection life. How is it demonstrated? By the Spirit of God living through you and through me. As our Savior could say in John 14, the works that I do are not mine, they're my Father's. The words I speak are not mine, they're my Father's. Believe me, I'm in my Father and my Father is in me, or else believe me for my very work's sake. I'm quoting John chapter 14 about verses 10 and 11. Nine, pardon me, it really runs from verse 8, the question of Philip, and goes on down to, to verse 10. Well, I take down these passages about this matter of our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be rendered inactive. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. In that he died, he died unto sin once. In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, count yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, and alive unto God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. In fact, I think you better put verse 13 there. If we be beside ourselves, it's to God. If we're sober, it's for your cause. For the love of Christ overmasters me. Why? Why? Because we thus judge. If one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should no longer live unto themselves, but unto him who died and rose again. He goes on to say, therefore we know no man after the flesh. Though we have known Christ after the flesh, we don't know him anymore. If any man be in this risen, glorified Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have gone, old new things have come. I'm quoting down to verse 17 of that same chapter. All right, Galatians chapter 2.20, you've already had. You know, some years ago I was on the island of Taiwan. I had been at the pastor's conference at Gao Chong. Then I came up to a place called Quince Lane, and I had, a, I had the uh, tribal pastors, about 120 of them. I had a wonderful time by them, way up on the mountainside. I had to climb about 400 steps. The steps were about this deep, you know. I had to stop and look around the country because I was getting my legs, didn't do what these fellows were running up and down. And I got about halfway up, and I took out and said, boy, the beautiful country. I was just, <laughs> you know. I was just getting a little rest a little wee bit. When I got up there, I said, if I ever go down those steps, I won't come back up again. And I was up there for a whole week with these men. I had a wonderful time. And between meetings, they, uh, the men would gather around in circles here and there, a little group here and a little group there and talk. There was a little fellow with a whiskers. 
It's a rare thing to find a Chinese. He must be up in years when he has whiskers, you know. And he, uh, very quiet, but his office was listening in like this. And I said to one of the men, I said, by the way, see that little fellow over there? Oh, you mean whiskers? Yeah, I said, that must be a real story with him. And he laughed, he said, you should have him tell you about it. Well, you tell me. This man was a commercial fisherman in the Pescador Islands. And he would go to he'd fish all night. In the morning, he would sell his fish and then go to his home. He had a wife there. He'd go out that night, fish again, and he'd go to the next little island. And when he'd sell his fish, he'd go to his home there. He had a wife there. And he had five wives, one in each place. Now, remember, that's society. It's not America. This is way over there. And one day, he saw a, a, a page, just a page, a printed page on the ground. He went over and picked it up. It was one page of the New Testament. He read the page over and over and over again. He said, I want to know that Jesus. And he came to know the Savior, and he was transformed. Now he's got a job. He talked to some of the ones who were Christians. And he's got six, five wives, and he had five wives. The first one was the oldest one of the five, and she had tuberculosis. She was a sick woman. The last one was a beautiful Chinese girl. Now, if you fellows had five women, and had to give four of them up, which one would you keep? Come on, honest fellows. Would you keep the one with TB, or would you keep the, the last one, that beautiful Chinese girl? Ah, oh, you're scared to say what you think. I just look at you, I know what you're thinking. Do you know what he did? He took the home on every island and gave it to the wife that was there. Divided his goods and his money among these four and took the first wife sick with tuberculosis. And now he fished all night. He sell his fish. Then what do you think he did? Preached on the street the gospel of the grace of God. Here's a transformed man. Spirit of God indwelled him, changed him. Did he change you? Did he change you? I think of Elkar, the old witch doctor, down in Guyana. If you get a chance to read that, I don't know whether it's in the library or not. God's witch doctor, it's called God's witch doctor. Absolutely transformed from a witch doctor into a flaming evangelist of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm trying to get to your heart. Before we were saved, we lived for self, self-will, self-desires, etc., etc. Now we become members of the family of God, indwelt by the Spirit of God. And when we yield ourselves to the Spirit of God and be obedient to the Word of God, we live transformed lives. It's what God wants of you. It's what God wants of me. Now, we recognize the old man with his self-will and self-conceit and self-righteousness and self-love and self-undulgence. You can add your words to it. But the word here in Colossians 3 
If you're risen with Christ, then seek the things that are above. Where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things down here. For you have died. That's the end. The end of your past history is gone. You new men, you new women, and that's the exhortation. Who's on the throne? I ask the question, who's on the throne? Jesus Christ or the old man, the old nature? I suggest you think about a verse in Ephesians chapter 4, I believe it is. Ephesians chapter 4, 22 to 24. Ephesians chapter 4, 22 to 24. And here Paul says, Throw off the old man with his deeds and put on the new man. Give him his rightful place. The new man who was created in righteousness and true holiness. Throw off the old man with his deeds and put on the new man. Now when we come to the evidences of a spiritual life, we'll be taking more, we'll be speaking more to that point, like Galatians chapter 5, where you have the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. Galatians chapter 5, we'll take it up a little later. But I want to get that one thing. The next, the third thing I want to say about it is the spiritual man yields to the Lord. I'm talking about a real yieldedness like you have in Romans 6 from about verse 13 on. You yield your members. Before you were saved, you yield your members, what you were, to sin, to the flesh, to the world. Now yield those members to the Savior who redeemed you, who loves you with an everlasting love, that his will, his mind, his purpose will be accomplished in you and accomplished in me. So we have this, the spiritual man yields to the Lord. And I would suggest passages like Romans chapter 12. You, you remember those first two verses, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you give your body as a present to him, holy acceptable unto him, which is your logical, reasonable service. And don't be conformed, don't fashion your life according to this world, but be transfigured by the renewing of your mind. You might know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And you read the first eight chapters of Romans and see what God's done for you. In chapter one, you're fit for hell. In chapter eight, you're going to be glorified together with him. I was a child of wrath. Now I'm a child of God. I was afar off. Now I've been made nigh. I was dead in sins. Now I'm alive in Christ. What's the logical thing? Give my life over to him. It's what God wants. Of you and of me. This spiritual life. You know, I think of a man, an old, old, uh, way, way back in the third, fourth century, there was a man, a Christian, called Fenelon, F-E-N-E-L-I-N, Fenelon. Now I'm quoting what he said. He said, O Lord, take my life, for I cannot give it. Take my heart, for I cannot give it. And when you have it, keep it, for I cannot keep it for you. And save me in spite of myself. End of quote. You know, well, was that a fellow... Uh, you mean that fellow said that? He was a great, great man of the word of God. And the more he saw of Christ, the more he realized 
how he needed the Savior in his life to live forth that life which pleases God. As I say, the spiritual man yields himself to God. All right, the fourth thing. I'm just going to give you these briefly now. His desire is to be daily controlled by the Spirit of God. His great desire is to be controlled by the Spirit of God. And I think I would put down those two passages you've had before. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Be not drunk with wine, where's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And that's followed by, uh, by a, a few things, thanksgiving and worship and praise and submission. And then Colossians chapter 3, 16 and 17, where you have the same thing, except the change in the beginning. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by him. Then submit yourselves one to another. You take those two passages and you can just compare them together. As I said a while ago, and I repeat it, a babe in Christ can be spirit-filled, but a babe in Christ can't teach yet. But when the Word of God dwells in you richly, then you can teach as well as worship and sing and praise and thanksgiving and so on. All right. The fifth thing, the fifth thing, the spiritual man seeks to glorify Christ in his life. We got to glorify Christ in his life. In other words, the Lord Jesus becomes exceeding precious to our hearts. This is a burden in my heart these days. I must confess to you that so many who know the facts of theology and doctrine, you can quote scripture. But what place does Jesus Christ himself have in your affections, in your love, in your life? You know, I think maybe I will, I'll do this. I'll take the time to do it. There's one book that deals with Christian experience. That's the book of Philippians. You see, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians are a package. You see, like Romans, Corinthians, and Galatians are a package. See, God gave, have you ever had this? God gave Paul two revelations. The revelation of his grace, that's in Romans. The main thought is justification by faith. Its practice is exhorted in Corinthians. Corinthians guards the practice of Romans. And Galatians guards the doctrine of Romans. Now the second revelation God gave to Paul was the church, the body of Christ, a mystery hidden from past generations now made manifest. I'm quoting Galatians, uh, Ephesians 3. So in Ephesians you have the revelation of the church, the body of Christ. That's why Paul suffered. That's why he persecuted. That's why he was killed, martyred. The Jews followed him all over. Now, Philippians guards the practice of Ephesians, and, and Colossians guards the doctrine of, of Ephesians, except the emphasis in Colossians is upon the headship of Christ, and Ephesians, the emphasis upon the body of Christ. Yes, you not. Thessalonians caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Romans fit for hell. Thessalonians gets you up into glory. And in between he tells you how he does it. 
I won't charge you for that one either. All right. Now, let me just be very brief. Philippians, let me do it in three or four minutes, and I'm through. What is Christian experience? What is spiritual life? Why do you take uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses um, uh, 20 and 21 down to 23, where Paul says, uh, whether I live or whether I die makes no difference as long as Christ is magnified in my body. For to me to live is Christ. To die is to be with Christ. So what's the difference whether I live or die as long as Christ is magnified in my body? And he goes on to say, I'm in a strait betwixt two. I have a great desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. But when I think of you folk down there in the freshman class in Montmartre School, the Bible thing, I better stay. See? By the way, that's not King James Version. <laughs> but you get the thought, though. Whether I live or whether I die, as long as Christ is magnified in my body. If I live, I'm going to live Christ. If I die, I'm going to be with Christ. So what's the difference? Chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, from verse 5 on. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not a thing to be held on to, but made himself of no reputation, emptied himself, took upon him the form of a servant, was found in fashion as a man, and humbled himself to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him. What is the mind of Christ? Willing to be nothing, if you please, that the purpose of God might be accomplished. And he goes on down to about verse 21 of that chapter, where he says, I have, I'm going to send Timothy to you, for I have no man like-minded who was genuine in his care for you. For all seek their own things, not the things that be Jesus Christ. I'm sending Timothy because Christ is the center of his affection and devotion. Chapter 3, you have where Paul says, starting in about verse 6, goes on down through by verse 12, I got everything but lost. What for? Just to know him to be found in him righteous, to know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might what? My life be so that Christ will be manifested in me and through me. Chapter 4. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Verse 13, by the way. Um, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I'd like, to, I'd like to put it there alongside of that, 2 Corinthians 5.14, just that one little statement, the love of Christ overmasters me. I'm no longer a sinner in God's sight. I'm no longer a child of wrath. I'm no longer a far off. I've been made nigh, brought into his family, an heir of God, joined heir with Christ, indwelt, sealed, born, baptized by the Spirit of God. Now, what shall I do? There's only one logical thing to do. Give your life over to him. And as Paul could say, I could do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. That's why I quoted a while ago, 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not of the flesh, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And having been raised with Christ, 
Let us seek the things that are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. It's a life, by the way, just a life wholly lived for God. It transformed life. Contributions to the Unchanging Word radio program do not benefit Multnomah University. They do make it possible to give the truth of God's Word to hungry hearts in an increasingly difficult time. The address again is The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. The Unchanging Word. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word radio Bible study. Life begins at town.